Every story needs a hero, and every story needs a villain. Welcome to the 25th episode of Hero and the Villain. Man, 25 episodes since the middle of February. What a crazy couple of months it's been. I want to give a shout out to anybody that has helped promote this podcast, told their friends that they should check it out. I want to give a shout out to a lot of my friends that actively promote it. Uh, Amanda, Mindy, Billie Jean up in Canada. Uh, quite a few of my Facebook friends, Brave. She always is putting it out there for other people to check out. And I appreciate it. All the new listeners, awesome. I'm glad you're around. All the people who have been listening since the first episode, you're crazy. Uh, love you for sticking with it. We're kind of in a series of emotions the last few episodes, and we're still working on getting that part two of projections going. That'll happen soon. The person that I want to get uh, involved with that is uh, patiently waiting to try to get a mega guest on the show with us. So we'll see what happens with that. So what do we start with today? This might be a lengthy one, but it's a good topic. Definitely tied into shadow work. Definitely tied into your layers. Definitely tied into a lot of behavior we do on a daily basis. You know, maybe it's the wrinkles. Maybe it's getting gray hair. Maybe it's poor sleep. Maybe it was 2020. Could be money. Maybe it's a weight goal. We know whatever typical, normal, modern life stress that is a push or a pull that's a part of our world basically in 2020 had steroids put on it, if not for the entire Trump presidency here in the States. So when your body goes into this fight or flight basically triggering a survival mechanism designed and it's been hardwired into us to fend off attacks. Initially, for our early selves when, you know, prehistoric days, Neanderthal days, when we're about to engage in violence, a.k.a. the fight to the death, in modern life, this gets triggered daily or hourly by anything from traffic, home life, jobs, stress, financial burden, anything like that. When you're Neanderthal, it's basically just survival. You know, something's trying to kill you, fight or flight kicks in, and there you go. Modern life is more or less a nonstop attempt to trigger fight or flight. And if you aren't equipped to manage it, you live life on a cliff. Fear and anxiety in the modern world are born basically from the same evolutionary mechanisms. Anxiety itself is a three-pronged fork. Physiological, cognitive, and behavioral. Now, the first part of living on a cliff is the feeling of it. What it can do to you and your body. Headaches, rapid heart rate, bad sleep, low energy, and libido. It can create a trigger 
to maladaptive stress reaction, which something happening in the present moment triggers old suppressed reactions from years ago. And it won't allow you to adapt to the current stress. Creatures, animals, are basically designed to handle short-term stress as defense, as I stated. But unlike a rabbit that has its fight or flight basically shut off once the threat is gone, once the bobcat is gone, a human can turn on its fight or flight purely just by a thought. A rabbit's not sitting there just out of the blue eating grass then thinks about a cat that it saw a couple days ago and gets stressed out for the next month. Humans do that, though. So traumatic perceptions are buried in our subconscious and are the root of how we automatically react to modern stress, no matter how little or big. So did you know that emotion more or less translates to energy and emotion or to stir up? Since we're nothing but cells, atoms, and bits of energy packed into this evolved ape shell known as humans, driven by our brain to do things, our brains spearhead what the rest of the energy does. The brain makes the body react so quickly and seamlessly, it's ridiculous. Your brain makes your body do things you don't even realize. But that also means that the brain drives us and our bodies into some very frantic places. If we are energy, which we are, and our minds create a state of panic and anxiety off our primal fight-or-flight response, we're putting balls of distorted energy in ourselves that can stay for extended periods of time. Just think about it. Next time you get really stressed, or if you're currently really stressed, I hope you're not. I don't want anybody to be stressed, but think about when you're stressed where do you feel it in your body? Do you feel it in your brow, the top of your head, in your chest when you try to breathe, maybe your back? Uh, where do you think this all comes from? Could be from bad deadlifting form for all I know. That's something different. We're talking about it's mostly your body's inability to process stress via fight or flight. More or less, it's chaos at an atomic level. Now, Amanda Center, who is not only my nutritionist and a fucking genius when it comes to nutrition, she's also an acclaimed personal trainer. Uh, she's a scientist, as far as I know. Uh, I asked her a little bit about this, and she says in a state of high anxiety or high stress, physiologically, it doesn't make a difference to the body if you're being chased by a predator or stressed about taxes. You'll be releasing those same hormones. Your adrenals pump adrenaline into your bloodstream to prepare your body with alertness for this threat or whatever the stress is. And when we stay in a state of alertness and high adrenaline, the adrenals follow up with re releasing cortisol. Now, we all have natural cortisol levels that should easily rise and fall throughout the day. We should have our highest spike in the morning, then it should lower midday a smaller spike in the afternoon, and then it falls at night. For people who live in chronic stress, chronic anxiety, we adapt to that consistently high level of cortisol. Not only do we mentally stop perceiving how stressed we are, but due to the impact that cortisol 
has on blood sugar and other metabolic and reproductive hormones. Our immune system diminishes and our ability to regulate fat loss versus storage weakens. Cortisol imbalance will lead to more fat retention around the midsection, slower metabolic rate, and decreased thyroid hormone regulation. Most people also notice a significant decrease in appetite when they are chronically stressed. Whether we're in fight or flight or rest and digest, if you're highly anxious or stressed, your body will struggle to digest what you eat or easily pull nutrients from the food. Low nutrient intake consistently below what your body needs on a daily basis will also result in a decreased metabolic function, meaning when you do return to eating more food again, your metabolism will not be healthy enough to handle the sudden increase of food and you'll be more likely to store those calories as fat. So chronic stress will also lead to adrenaline fatigue and eventually adrenal exhaustion. Even caffeine doesn't give you the boost that you used to get from it. You also end up burning fewer calories in your workouts and fat loss is nearly halted entirely until healthy measures and a significant time is taken to heal your adrenals. This is all coming from uh, nutrition scientist and fitness guru. That's uh, what Amanda Center from Focused on Results Training had to say, and she's completely right. So here's something. Give yourself a few minutes to think about your future from where you are currently and see if you can envision anything in your future that doesn't involve a worry of some kind. It's possible, especially since I asked you to try, but hourly, daily, weekly, our automatically brewed future thoughts involve a future worry. It's only natural. You do your best to you know, maximize positivity and limit negative outcomes, but this triggers fight or flight as well. Anxiety is all based in anticipating future visions, future planning, attempting to brace for doomsday. And in this anxiousness and worry breeds avoidance. Now we avoid doing things that stress us out because we fear confirming whatever our worst case scenario is. You know, I don't want to ask that person out on a date because they'll probably say no or they're already taken or they'll laugh. Although some could say, what's the worst that could happen? They say no. It sounds easy. The one carrying anxiety is like, well, yeah, and that's the worst thing ever, right? So it keeps someone from even trying. And this could be applied to many things throughout someone's life who deals with chronic stress, chronic anxiety, from work to personal. So how do we attempt to hold back these automatically ingrained processes? One word, folks, takes practice. Since it all comes from the mind, we have to train the mind to respond differently. This happens by, okay, you ready? Sitting in it, sitting with it, sitting by it. Buddhism agrees. Because learning mindfulness is how we can make it all sort of look the same. And this is all from learning to be present, to be mindful, because where does it all originate from? Our thoughts, of course. 
Now, something like cognitive behavioral therapy is the idea of practicing replacing your bad negative thoughts with positive ones, something that I learned back in rehab. They taught us to try to see and feel the negative emotion and go, okay, what's the opposite of it? Try and replace it. And their idea was like, don't avoid feeling it, but next time you feel it, see if you can like flip it, get into the practice of flipping it. When you feel stressed or angry, it'll eventually pass, right? I don't know anybody who's constantly stressed or constantly angry. You will have moments where that goes away. It's just an emotion. It's just an emotion. And those aren't permanent. Just like we tell over-emotional political ranters that think because they have opinions, it makes it a truth. As Noel Cordeaux would say, feelings aren't facts, right? This isn't saying avoid the situation. It's saying learn to release the worry and the anxiousness you put next to it. Say you got cheated on and they left you and you're stressed, upset, angry, mad, hurt, all valid emotions. You know us, we're all about feeling our fucking feelings. But take those emotions away and tilt your head and look at it as if I remove these emotions, a shitty person is now out of my life, which is a good thing. Right? Well, but I love them. Yes, but you can put that love into your life and into a better person eventually, right? But now I'm going to be lonely. Yes, but not forever. Feel your feelings, but be aware that they're going to pass. And immediately, it sucks, right? When bad shit happens, it sucks. But eventually, it doesn't. I can look back on numerous things in my life where at the moment I'm like, this is the fucking worst thing ever. And those were just the emotions at the height of their intensity. Eventually it didn't suck. Eventually they passed. Only if we work to remove that worry and anxiousness through practice, through practicing meditation, through awareness, thoughts pass much quicker than emotions do. So like when a cat freaked out over a vacuum cleaner it's fine once the vacuum is back in the closet i know this from experience my cat's fine after i'm done vacuuming right it then naps and eats and plays like it never happened we could learn a thing or two from animals on a lot of this their lives are way less complex than ours it's very instinct based they're primal and basic but it's very beautiful on their level because of how simple it kind of is. They don't have to stress about the same things we do, but do we really need to stress about everything we need to stress about? For them, there is no past or future. They exist in the present moment, which is pretty fantastic. So you got to find your calm places. You got to practice meditation, and it's not easy at first for somebody with a frazzled mind. So be patient with yourself. I struggle to sit still and meditate for longer than five minutes before my brain goes all over the place. It's a practice. You got to work on how in the moment you can be with your emotions, not in a past or a future sense, feel them, then learn to observe them passing by. If you can be peaceful outside, do so. Lakes, mountains, rivers, all bigger than us and put things into perspective. 
you don't have to live life on a cliff. You get to step back. You have that option of not clinging to the edge of it. Accept that it is there, that it isn't your only option. You get to view it as daunting or just the route you decide not to go. You're allowed to pull back, observe, and reflect on it. We feel our feelings and flex our muscles called mindfulness to move onward and through it. And through all this, we learn about some of our reasons for anxiety and fear and worry, the parts that are part of our shadow that probably need attention. It's all the work that needs to be done to be okay. I struggle with this daily, sometimes weekly. I think a lot of my anxiety or stress is tied to my depression. When I get depressed, one feeds the other. All the things I just listed, I have to practice too. Sometimes it works. Sometimes I need to really focus on it. When you live life under constant duress because of modern life, it's really easy to slip into that mindset. It's not as bad as you think, though. Look around. You probably have some good things in your life, and maybe you should be focusing on those. Maybe be focusing on the good people you have. Focus on your cat, your dog, things you love to do. Life wants to beat you down. Life wants to make sure you're constantly anxious and constantly living on a cliff. Don't let it. You get a choice not to.